Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Good morning. Oh, it is such a a privilege to be here. Uh, As Pastor Wayne said, Cornerstone have been uh, financial givers for years And one thing that was so special the last couple of years we know have been challenging for so many people for so many different reasons, for businesses and ministries and churches, and yet Cornerstone has just continued to give as a church. And not only financially, but through your prayer support, which has been so valuable. I don't know if you ever think about everything that can happen at a radio station and sometimes things that can go wrong (laughs) at a radio station just to be able to get the signal on the air and to know that there are people praying for us all the time. Uh, We are so thankful for that. Uh, Something very unique today that... I typically don't have the opportunity is to have my family with me. My wife, Shauna, is here. Shauna, if you could wave. There we go. My son, Aiden, is here. Hey, Aiden. Uh, my daughter, Leah, in, usual, in a usual way, has found the social club and is downstairs with the kids. She loves people, and so she is a bundle of energy. Uh, if you looked at the bio that we had, uh, there is a little bit of an update on that. We said that we have a dog, Maisie, but we've also added two cats, and there is still harmony in the home with a dog and two cats. So um, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's pretty busy in our house. Just to give you a little bit of glimpse of yesterday, a little bit of a surprise. So as I said, Leah loves uh, socializing, so it's not uncommon for our dog to start howling uh, because somebody's at the door. Somebody walks up to the door. So as soon as Maisie started howling yesterday, Leah goes running for the front door. She runs down the stairs, and she looks outside, and it's not one of her friends. And so I come down, and I said, who is it, Leah? And she goes, it's the police. And I'm like, what? And she goes, it's for you, Dad, and runs upstairs. Why are the police looking for me? So the good news is it was actually firefighters who were there to make sure that our smoke detectors are working well. So thankfully, I'm here. It was not taken away by the police, so that's good. It's very good. A uh, couple of things just before we get into the message. Have you heard, if you're a Life listener, have you heard of the Life 100.3 worship tour? All right, this could be new. Okay, so we have decided to take uh, life around central Ontario. This is what we, we cover. We reach all of central Ontario with repeater stations in Huntsville, Owen Sound, and Peterborough, and our signal boosts into York region. And so we wanted to just worship together and give an opportunity for us to get together and worship. So we're stopping off at as many spots as we can, five, with the hopes that everybody can get to at least one of them. It's a free worship concert. It's going to be led by Brooke Nichols. And we also have some local worship leaders at each of the events. And if the closest one to you is Newmarket, that is coming up on September 16th. Okay, so you can book your tickets online in advance. We're asking everybody to do that. It's free. There's no charge for the tickets. But that way we know how many people are coming and that we don't have to turn anybody away at the door that night. So if you're you're really handy with your phone, we have a QR code that you can scan at the back at our booth. And it'll take you right to Eventbrite where you can get your free tickets before you leave today. Or you can go on our website a little bit later or our app to get that. And we just hope to see you there. We are just looking forward to worshiping God all over central Ontario. Okay, why don't we pray? 
Uh, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for today. We are thankful for what you are doing in this church and, and just hearing this morning of the plans of digging deeper into the Word and how we can share our faith and how we can move out of this building and into the community. God, I pray that you'd bless them. I pray that you'd give them boldness, that you'd give them wisdom, that you'd give them excitement, uh, that they would continue to do that. And as we open up your Word this morning, uh, let these be your words, not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm so excited uh, to be here this morning, and I, I'll be honest with you, I never used to really dig into the Old Testament very much when I would speak, uh, but God really had some things jump off the page, and I'm hoping that, that it does the same for you this morning. It was great to hear uh, Pastor Wayne in our pre-service prayer this morning. He was, he was praying some things that are right in my message this morning. So I love how God, God connects those things, and so I hope this is an encouragement to you. Uh, today we're going to be digging into 1 Kings chapter 19. If you have your Bible or your phone and you want to look that up, you can do that, and we'll get to it in just a moment. But I think that the story needs a little bit of a setup. Uh, so 1 Kings chapter 19 is where we're looking, but the previous chapters of 1 Kings, chapters 17 and 18, describe one of the most exciting stories in the Bible. Uh, let me try to give you a quick summary that will help bring us to where we need to be today. As you flip through First and Second Kings, it describes the various kings of Israel, as you would expect, based on the title. But each time there is a new king, there's a brief description of them how long they were king, and their ancestry. But each king is also described in one of two ways. Either they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, or they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, king Ahab was given a unique description. The Bible describes him as a king that did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. King Ahab was married to Jezebel, and it was Jezebel who led him to serve and worship Baal. He was the one who set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal in Samaria. Do you remember this story? Okay. Next in the story, we meet Elijah the Tishbite. I want you to remember that name because it comes up a little bit later on in the story today. So God tells Elijah to tell King Ahab in chapter 17, verse 1, as the Lord of God Israel... As the Lord God of Israel lives whom I serve, there will neither do nor reign in the next few years except at my word. So you can tell the King Ahab is less than impressed by the news because uh, God tells Elijah to go into hiding to protect his life. So I want to fast forward three years. So that's three years of drought. And in chapter 18, verse 1, God says, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went. So let's stop and break this down a little bit. It's been three years of drought. It hasn't been easy for Elijah in hiding, but God has provided his needs. So now he's to go back to Ahab to tell him that God will send rain. So I'm sure Elijah must be thinking, finally, Ahab broke down, sees the error of his ways, turns back to God, and everything is back the way it should be. It's not the case at all. No. In fact, Things are worse. While Elijah has been in hiding, Jezebel, do you remember Jezebel, Ahab's wife? She's been killing off God's prophets. So Elijah goes to see Ahab and basically challenges him to a duel. Ahab brings in 450 prophets of Baal and Asherah and the people of Israel, and this was setting up to be the battle of the century, right? But the odds aren't great. It's Elijah against 450. 
I'll say that again. It's Elijah against 450. It's crazy. So they get two bulls, one for the Baal prophets, one for Elijah. The prophets of Baal cut it into pieces. They put it on the altar, uh, but did not set fire to it. Elijah said, you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. This is the story that we all know, and the momentum is building, right? We know what's going to happen. From morning till noon, the prophets of Baal call out to their God to send fire, nothing. Then Elijah starts to taunt them. Shout louder. Maybe your God is in a deep sleep. They shouted louder, slashed and cut themselves with swords and spears, which is kind of what they did anyway. They continued until evening, still no response. No one answered. No one paid attention to their cries. Then the miracle you probably remember. Elijah builds his own altar, digs a trench around it, fills it with water again and again. I don't know if you remember this part, but they're in a drought. You can imagine how hesitant the people must have been to surrender their water and then waste it on the altar. Can you imagine what the people were thinking? Okay, Elijah needs more water. Why don't you uh, give him some of your water? No, you give him your water. No, you give him your water. Like, it's water is scarce, right? So then, the miracle of all miracles. Chapter 18, verses 36 to 38. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel. I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me so that these people will know that, Lord, you are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then what happens? The fire of God fell, burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, even the water in the trench. Elijah commanded the Israelites to seize the prophets of Baal. They were all killed. Then Elijah told Ahab in verse 41, go eat and drink. There's the sound of heavy rain. So I don't know about you, but I'm thinking that finally Elijah will get some relief. He will get some peace. He will get a bit of a break. God shows up in this miraculous way at the last minute. When we call on him in desperate times, he will deliver us. Elijah's been hiding to save his life. Then he comes out of hiding to lead one of the biggest miracles of the Bible. Finally, he's over this huge mountain in his life, and everything is going to be okay. Have you ever been in that situation where you thought everything was officially in control? You're good. You're at peace. And then you realize you were wrong. I want to get silly for a couple of minutes, okay? So a number of years ago, I was working... At A and W, fine. Fan. Has anybody had the pleasure of working for A and W? Maybe you still do. No, you guys are missing out. Come on. So it was my job on this particular day to clean the bathrooms. No big deal. I'd done it many times before, but this particular time, I had realized that I was running low on toilet bowl cleaner. Okay, so I used the rest of it, but said, you know what? I can't do this halfway. I can't just clean with a little bit of toilet bowl cleaner. I need the right amount. So I went to the utility closet just down the hall, and I grabbed another chemical that we used for cleaning. And I was going to chart new territory, okay? I was going to make a clean toilet even cleaner. So I took all of the knowledge that grade 12 chemistry had brought to me, and I was going to create this new super toilet bowl cleaner that would revolutionize the world. Are you with me so far? Okay. Now, in retrospect, I probably should have remembered that I didn't do very well in grade 12 chemistry. I should have remembered that it was dangerous to mix chemicals. 
but I threw caution to the wind and cleaned that toilet in a way it had never been cleaned before. So I triumphantly packed up all of my toilet gear, and I put them back in the closet. And as, as, as I was walking down the short hallway, one of my coworkers said, Steve, what's going on in the bathroom? And I said, what, uh, what, what are you talking about? And they said, well, there's this fog that's floating out of the men's bathroom. I quickly ran back in to see what had happened, and sure enough, there's this thick cloud of fog floating up out of the toilet and was quickly filling up the bathroom and spilling out into the dining area. Did I mention that mixing chemicals doesn't only create a fog, but a toxic gas that is now making it difficult to breathe? So we quickly had to clear out the restaurant. So imagine this. There's people there eating their lunch, and we have to say, get out now while you can. Save yourselves. And the people are giving us the strangest looks. And I have to say, I actually messed up and created this toxic fog, so you're going to have to leave right now. So not many people get fired from a fast food job. I was very close that day. I was very close. But it was in one of those moments, it was one of those moments at least, where I thought everything was in control, but in reality, something in the background was changing everything. So I want to get back to the story of Elijah, because we have Elijah living one of the most victorious moments in his life until we get to chapter 19. So let's read it together, beginning at verse 1. You can read it on the screen, or you can read through in your Bible. I'm reading it out of the NIV. Now, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. This chapter just jumped off the page for me because Elijah had just called down fire from heaven, which in turn wiped out the prophets of Baal and ended the three-year drought. But in verse 3, it says, Elijah was afraid. Elijah was afraid. Elijah was afraid. Think of that. You just called fire down from heaven. How in the world could you be afraid? If you ever doubted God before, that would be the end of it, I would think, right? You just called fire down from heaven. Not true. It was all because Jezebel basically said, and I'm paraphrasing in verse 2, you think this is over? You think this is over just because of that little fire stunt? 
I'm not going to stop until you are dead. Even for Elijah, prophet of God, he had reached his limit. After this battle with King Ahab, the hiding, the drought, the threats to his life, he was done. Most of us can't really relate to those specific reasons, but I believe that God can use these stories to speak directly to us. Maybe for you, it's a financial miracle. You finally save every penny to get out of debt, to get back on good financial health, and then your car breaks down or your air conditioner. Now your roof needs to be replaced. Maybe you have a child that isn't serving Christ. You see big steps forward, then a giant step back. Maybe you have struggles in your marriage. Things seem to be getting progressively worse. Maybe you just have doubt. Why does a good God allow terrible things? I believe that this passage can teach us three important lessons about the character of God. When life is out of control and we have nothing left, when we don't know which way to turn, when we have questions, God is still in control. He is working behind the scenes. That means that there is hope. Did you hear me? There is hope. There are two words in this passage that just jump off the page for me. Get up. Get up. Get up. He will be your comfort. Verse 3 in chapter 19 says, Elijah was afraid. Can anyone relate to that? Can you relate to that? You believe in God, you trust God, but you're afraid. Fear has this way of just finding a crack and creeping into your life. Elijah takes things to an even darker place when he travels into the wilderness for a day, sat under a broom bush, and prayed that he would die. He says in verse 4, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. That last phrase, I had to dig a little bit deeper on that. I'm no better. Why would he say that? Why would he say I'm no better than my ancestors? What do his ancestors have to do with any of this? Well, earlier we learned that Elijah was a Tishbite. And throughout the Bible, names are important. Family history is important. And where you're from also seems to be very important. The significance of Elijah being a Tishbite is just that. There is no significance. Being from Bethlehem, that would have a special meaning. Being from Jerusalem, okay, now we're talking. But Elijah is basically saying that his ancestors did nothing special and not, are not really remembered for anything. And his name will go down as just another prophet that Jezebel killed. Elijah truly believed that this was the end for him. Everyone wants to finish at the top, but he said, I've got nothing, got nothing left. Remember those two words. Get up. Get up. He will be your strength. In verse 5, an angel touches Elijah and says, get up and eat. Did you notice how God wasn't harsh with Elijah either? He didn't criticize him. He didn't call him an ungrateful little prophet, something like that. He was very calm and peaceful and gently nourished, nurtured him back to health through this angel. Even, he even let Elijah rest for a little while and then said, get up. Did you also notice how God said, get up, the journey is too much for you? Elijah thought God had abandoned him, but God met him when and where he needed him the most. But here's the part of the story that often drives us crazy. Did you notice that nothing was fixed immediately? 
There was time in between. In order for Elijah to make it to the next stop on his journey, he needed to get up and go himself. He needed to move. He needed to keep moving. The angel didn't carry him there. He needed to take those steps on his own. Elijah traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And I bet that was a grueling trip. I bet he was hungry. I bet he was thirsty. I bet he was tired, so exhausted by the time he got there. But more importantly, God wasn't giving him a play-by-play with each step. He didn't hear from God again until the end of the trip. He had to take that long, boring, frustrating trip just because it was what God wanted him to do. It was obedience, if nothing else. It couldn't have been easy. The hope that seemed so distant came flooding back. God gave Elijah just enough to get to that cave. Has your tank ever felt empty? Feels like you've got nothing left. But worst of all, when you finally reach your destination, you feel like you're in a cave. It's dark. It's a little bit dreary. It's cold. If we jump ahead to verse 10, we hear Elijah get frustrated with God. And I don't see it as a disrespectful frustration, just very honest. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Then God does four things. Sends the wind first, but he's not in the wind. Sends an earthquake, he's not in the earthquake. Sends a fire, but he isn't in the fire. And then what? He whispers. Get up. Get up. He will be your guide. I thought it was interesting that in verse 10, did you notice that God listened first? Then speaks to Elijah. He doesn't interrupt, zap us with a bolt of lightning, thankfully. He does let us speak. Even when we are at the end of our rope, even when we're frustrated, he still wants to hear from us. Did you hear that? He wants to hear from you. I think sometimes we get blown around in the storms of life. The foundations of life start to shake. When the heat is turned up a little bit, we run. But that's probably the most important time to stand firm in our faith and wait for God to quietly speak into our life. The big question is, do we run to God or do we run away from God? As we learned in the life of Elijah, even when we try to run, even when the storm is raging... He is waiting to help us get up and keep moving. That might be the most encouraging thing all all day. Let Let that one sink in. No matter where you are in life, he is always willing to tap you on the shoulder and give you comfort, strength, and guidance that you need to keep going. That's why it's so important to be in prayer, to read your Bible. I love Pastor Wayne talking about this special series that's coming. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be speaking right to you and just building your faith, knowing how to hear from God. I mean, that's just amazing. The Bible also reminds us that we can't and shouldn't go through this life alone. That's why services like this are so important, and the small groups and the godly friendships. At Life 100.3, we consider ourselves to be an extension of all of those things. We are in no way a replacement, but we are an extension. And it's so humbling to know that God can use something like a teaching program or something a DJ says or a song that can completely transform somebody's life. I think we should put that theory to the test this morning, though. I'd like to close the, the message with a story followed by a lyrical song video. 
and it's a song that we play on life. Uh, the songs that we play often talk about the goodness of God and the joy he brings. But when you feel like Elijah did for a time, you're completely exhausted, frustrated, and confused, and sometimes lost. Is there a song for you? And is there a song that offers you the hope that you need? The reminder that God is with you, a song that reminds you to put your hope and trust in Him even in the most difficult times. I want to share the story of a, a young boy who grew up in an abusive home. The abuse continued until he became a freshman in high school, but everything changed when his dad got cancer. The father committed his life to Christ after that, became the dad the young boy had always wanted, but after five years of fighting cancer, the man died. A few years later, that same young boy, now grown up and married, was having a serious conversation with his brother-in-law. His brother-in-law was struggling with whether or not God was real. And so they agreed to meet with a church leader to go over this another day. But he never made it home that night because he, was, he fell asleep at the wheel and was killed instantly. That same young boy now has five children of his own. His son is now an adult, but a number of years ago, uh, he was diagnosed with diabetes when he was just two years old. And over the years, they'd spent a lot of time in doctor's offices, as you would imagine. But it was one day at an appointment, he decided to do some quick calculations, and he realized that in 13 years of going for treatment for diabetes, they had, uh, his son had received over 36,000 injections. And it was at that moment when the young boy, now growing up with his own family, had experienced so much heartache, pain, and frustration it really started to bug him. Sounds a lot like Elijah, doesn't it? But the most important part of this difficult journey was this. Instead of running away from God, he took his burdens to God. And when he did, the problems didn't mysteriously disappear. But he did learn what it means to put his hope in and trust God. He found peace. He found out what it means to be loved by God. That boy, that young boy, now growing up, his name is Bart Millard. You may not know the name, but he's the lead singer of a group called Mercy Me. Have you heard of Mercy Me? Yeah. You might know some of their songs. He wrote, I Can Only Imagine. That was written after his dad passed away. Uh, Homesick, it's a song that he wrote after his brother-in-law passed away. I wanted to share Bart's story because I think God can use our own stories to remind others about the supernatural power of God. All things considered, Bart is just a normal person like you and I. He has his share of struggles, just like we do. But God has given him this incredible gift to craft lyrics and put them together with music, record them in a studio, send them to Christian radio stations like Life, then we take it, we play it, and God is able to use it to speak to your immediate situation. Isn't that amazing? It's so cool to be able to do something simple like play a song on the radio and stand back and watch God do something special with it. I think the best part about what we do is that we get to serve you. God is using some silly DJs, some teaching shows, and some regular people to write songs that, can, that God can use to change people's lives. That's why songs are so important. Our pastor will challenge us to trust God, even the most difficult times, like Elijah did. But when Monday rolls around and you're living the same life with the same issues, it's nice to turn on the radio 
and hear that song that reinforces what you heard on Sunday morning. This morning, I'd like to play a song by Mercy Me called Even If. And it goes back to that moment in the doctor's office when he doesn't know if he can take any more of what life is throwing at him. So I want you to sit back and listen to the words of an honest man crying out to God, but spoiler alert, he never loses his hope. He never loses that hope in Jesus. When you support life, you help us reach the next person who needs to hear a song like that. It's, it doesn't get any more simple than that. Uh, we're so thankful, as I said before, for the prayer and the financial support that we've received from this church. Thank you so much. We are so honored to be that extension of your ministry. When you support life, you help us reach that person that, that maybe you can't reach yourself. Thank you so much for entrusting us with that responsibility. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.